through prayers, and, and this is just, it's just awesome to, to watch that, those videos. Well, let me um, encourage you guys, as you know, I like to encourage you to read the Word of God. I encourage you to read Psalm 117, it's only two verses. Psalm 117, verses 1 and 2 in my Bible. I <laughs> just looking at it this morning and it said, God loves me even in my stupidity. So, it's a great passage. Read it. Psalm 117, verses 1 and 2. It just God's grace is truly unconditional. And then I hope also to encourage you guys, I hope you're praying. I encourage you to find a prayer partner if you haven't or you are doing it, just keep doing it. Don't let anything stop it because I guarantee you, you'll think of, of every excuse not to do it. But keep, go to the Lord. He loves hearing your prayers. Whine to Him, fine. Do whatever it is. Go to Him because He, he loves you. No, that, that he truly loves you. That's, I can't say that enough. He loves you. I mean, that, that's a sermon that will be like, guess what? God loves you. And that's it. You don't believe me? Look to Jesus. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we're just so grateful that we can come before you today and hear your word. Lord, we gather in your name. That's why we come together, is to, to express that you are Lord, you are King, you are God, you are our God. You know us individually and corporately. And we gather in your name because you are mighty. Everything's about you. Our whole life, everything that happens in our life is always about you. We are not at the center of our own life. You are. And I'm just so ecstatic that you are, Lord. Because without you, we have nothing. God, wait now, we also ask that you, you be with all the churches that are meeting across the world, be with the missionaries and the people, be with the people in the most strange, awkward situations, Lord, and around in this world where churches are trying to figure out how they are even supposed to come together. Can they come together? Will they be able to come together? Because the governments are hunting them. People, their society, people around them are hunting them. Be with the Christians that are trying to get out and be with each other. But, but if they walk outside and simply mention your name or where they're going, they'll be killed. Lord, we pray for them. We're all part of this, of the body, of your body. We're, we're, though we may gather locally, Lord, we, there is one body and we are all doing the same thing. It's glorifying Jesus, worshiping Jesus and helping others doing the same. To help others do the same, Lord. The Great Commission. Help us, Lord, then today to relax and to throw down all of our worries, cares, everything, Lord, our sins, that we can repent of them, just throw them down at your feet and so we can just be uplifted by your grace. And we can rest in that grace. So we can live, with, live in this world with, with, with consistency of our faith, as inconsistent as it is. We strive for consistency. So you can... Fill us with love, hope, and peace in all things. And we can tell others all about you and tell each other, tell, tell each other about it too. I pray this in your son's name. Amen. So, um, before we look at our text today, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. That's our text. I want to make sure that we understand the context of what has happened right before this. Just real quick. In a nutshell... Paul has been passionately explaining that the believing Jews and the believing Gentiles have now been unified 
as one new man or a new humanity in some regard by having faith in Christ. That through Christ's life, death, and resurrection, He has truly created something new through faith in Him. He took what was separated from each other, Jew and and Gentile, and He created peace between them by reconciling them both to God through His death upon the cross. So salvation now is open to all who believe upon Jesus. There's no more special group of people with a specific ethnicity who alone are able to access salvation and and forgiveness from God. For now, peace is offered to all who hear this gospel message, no matter what their past may be, what their heritage may be, or what circumstances in life they are currently dealing with. Christ is the only way to be forgiven and only way to be reconciled to God and have peace with Him. And His hand now is open to all who come and to receive Him by faith alone. John 3, 16, verse 17 17 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. So with this, there, there are major ramifications and, or outcomes for us then who have faith in Jesus. Not scary ones, but good ones. Not burdensome ones, but joyful ones. So today Paul is going to get into what those outcomes are that have come up upon us through faith in Christ. And our title is today then is The Outcomes of Grace. Now, again, these are not things that we obtain, but things that have been attained for us in Jesus to to live in through faith in Him. Or simply, Paul is going to speak and reveal the truth, the absolute truth, the real truth, the real identity of who you are now by faith in Christ. So let us look at the text and and see what kind of wonderful outcomes are are about us so we can be uplifted and and encouraged as we go about this world of insanity and and travesty and destruction. There's a lot of it out there. Let's let's look at these truths and, and outcomes so we can feel and know the absolute liberation that we have in Jesus and an absolute liberation of the power of sin in our life and the liberation from death the power of death in our life so we can rest and be encouraged and have peace and joy in Jesus. So Paul says in verse uh, chapter 2 of, of verse uh, of Ephes- uh, chapter 2 of Ephesians verse 19 he says so then you are no longer strangers and aliens but are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. So Paul begins here right with this remembrance of what the gentiles what we But we're not anymore. And to emphasize this, Paul begins, right, with this kind of like kingdom type of language saying that you are no longer strangers, you are no longer aliens. At one time, the Gentiles had no place among God's kingdom and amongst his people. That interaction was one of just simply passing by, 
and no rights of really knowing what's going on or any say what's over there. You know, think of it as a status of being isolated from God at one time, isolated from his people and his kingdom. Before Christ came, the Gentiles were foreigners to the, to the kingdom's blessings. Salvation was just offered for the most part to the Jews. That's it. And there was nothing that we Gentiles could do about it or say about it. We were strangers and we were aliens to it and to God. The relationship that God had with, uh, with, his, with his people, the Jewish people, was unique and unique to them. And there was no place for us amongst it. But now that Christ has come, that his blood has been spilt upon the cross, that he came to live a perfect life, a sinless life, a, and died as the sacrifice for sins, that's no longer the case for us. For God's people now are people who believe in His Son. That's His people. God's people are now who, people who have placed their faith in Christ. And it's no longer limited to a certain group. It is open to all and any who place their faith in Jesus. That's it. That trust. That's it. That hand reaching out saying, Jesus, save me. For before Christ came in the flesh, he was seen as this coming Messiah, right? Christ has always been promised throughout the Old Testament. You read about it because everything's about him. If Everything points to him. But he was only at that time, when you read the Old Testament, to the Jews. He was only offered to the Jews. But praise be to God, right, that's no longer the case because the resurrected Savior is now offered freely to all people. So, just on a quick side note, being no longer strangers and aliens and how that change has happened, understand this, no one, no one is ever too far off to be saved. Never think that it's not possible for someone to be saved. That don't fall into the lie or to the excuse that the time for them to accept Jesus Christ has passed. That they're too old or they're too much in a dark place. Their sin is too great in their life. Way too big. Don't buy into that. For Christ has come to be the Savior of all people. Even the ones... That you don't like. Oh, that's not anyone here. Right? Even the ones that you like to make fun of. Or look down upon. Or are disgusted by. The ones that cause your blood to curdle and boil inside of you. Because they are evil. And are trying to be evil. Yes, Christ came to be their Savior too. So I pray that you're praying for their salvation. I hope you are pleading for God to open their eyes, save their souls from His wrath to come, rather than look for ways to encourage and promote their destruction before men and God. And if you're wondering if I'm talking about someone in this room... You're right. Now the question is, who? <laughs> well, you don't have to look too far. Because I'm talking about me. I struggle with this all the time. 
I too easily get caught up in all the horrible news and put on a self-righteousness as if I'm better. I would never do that. God, I thank you for me and not them. I get caught up in that, thinking I'm better, rather than get caught up in the forgiveness and grace that God offers to all men through faith in his son. Which is why I, yes, even as a pastor, need to be reminded of the gospel every day. The gospel of his free grace all the time. Be reminded that God loves sinners, not good people. He loves sinners. And that's why he loves me and why I'm saved. I'm a sinner that is saved and I'm always in need of grace, just like everyone else. And the they, whoever the they are at the time, just haven't accepted that good news yet. So I need to pray to God that they do rather than complain to God about who they are. But anyways, back to the more direct part of the text. So through faith in Christ then, Paul is emphasizing our major change that happened, that hope, that we had a major status change that happened with us in regards to God and his kingdom. He says we are fellow citizens with the saints. And this brings us to our very first point. We are of heavenly status. And this is explosive, okay, because what Paul is saying is that we have been made co-citizens of God's kingdom, not by anything we have done, not because how good you are, because you're not, but, but, but what Christ has done for us, because he was the good one. Not by anything we do, because whatever you do is never good enough, but what Christ has done and maintains for us, strictly through faith in him. We have this citizenship of heaven with all the saints. And by all, he means all. All who have placed their faith in Christ. Even those from the past who lived during the Old Testament times. Who placed their faith in this coming Messiah, which we now have placed in. Which God spoke about right away. As soon as Adam and Eve fell into sin, he says in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, that he would send a Savior. That's when the gospel started. And to be theological, it's called the proto-gospel. In verse 15 of chapter 3, it says, And I will, put, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. And the one who shall bruise his head is the one who has now come, and his name is Jesus. Right there. God said, I'm going to love you anyways, even though you completely did every single thing that I told you not to do. I'm going to love you and show grace. What a good God. Anyways, through him we are citizens of heaven above, with all the saints from that time all the way to now. Through faith in Jesus alone, you are now fellow citizens with all the saints that go way back. All those people you read about in the Old Testament who trusted in the Messiah... And all the ones who trusted in him in the New Testament because he came and so forth. Think about that. Your current state with all your failures and inconsistencies, with all, you are now in the kingdom of God. 
His kingdom from heaven is playing out and revealed in your life that your status, that is your status right now. You represent the kingdom now that is to fully come later when Christ comes back. You belong to God's kingdom. A kingdom that will last forever. A citizenship that will never end. Even though you mess up while you're in it currently. God has claimed you. He has placed you in the kingdom forever because of what His Son has accomplished for you. That is it. All out of His love. See, all nations, they rise and then they fall. All kingdoms rise and then they fall. And guess what? So does the citizenship. Ain't no kingdom anymore. I don't know what I'm part of. But not God's kingdom. That will last for eternity. So think of it this way. Jesus is your king now. He rules from heaven. He rules all his people up there. And he also rules all his people down here as one people with those in heaven. All at the same time. Your life is under his rule. You are not just some person living in this world. You, You are now part of an eternal kingdom. All of us here, we are believers and we are part of the kingdom of God. We represent the kingdom of heaven here as we gather locally. There it is. The kingdom of God is amongst us now by faith in Jesus. God is ruling over us individually and corporately. Jeremiah 31, 33 speaks of this ruling over us. You know, that covenants of promise that Paul was talking about earlier. Well, here it is again. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them. I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they will be my people even though they mess up. I added that on my own. So when we come together and we interact with each other, we are interacting under and in this new citizenship. This is something we all share in common. Citizens of heaven who are currently here on earth. This is something that is universal to anyone who believes upon Jesus, no matter what they are struggling with or who they are. Now you might ask, what does that mean for me practically? And why are you so excited about this? (laughs) Like, yeah, okay, I'm a citizen of heaven by faith now in Jesus. Yeah, so what does that mean for my life right now? Well, first... It means that, God's, that God is watching out for you because you are his citizen. He's watching out for you here on, earth, here on earth. You are and we are his kingdom here on earth through faith in Christ alone. Luke, Luke chapter 17 verse 21 says, Nor shall they say, look here, here it is. There they are. There, there, behold, the kingdom. He's like, no. The kingdom of God is in the midst of you. You know what that means? You don't have to live and worry about what happens to your life. Or worry about your circumstances in your life. You are are of the kingdom of God. God's eye is on you. His hand is directing you. You are in his kingdom now. Which he rules very closely. You think he just lets him go? Your life reveals his kingdom. And he's going to make sure that it does. For he is now your defender. He is your shield. He is your shepherd. He is your king. He is the ruler that will never forsake you and he'll never let you go even if you let go of him at times. 
God's love and grace is greater than your sin, greater than your problems, greater than your worries, greater than your physical pain, and though that might be a lot. And guess what? He's greater than those who even come against you, no matter how scary they may be. In fact, his kingdom is so much greater and so powerful that he uses the very things meant to destroy you and break you. He uses it only to build you up in him. The kingdom that you are now part of is so big and so awesome that even the worst of things even, or events, even your own sin, is somehow through faith in Christ turned around and worked in some way for your good in him. Worked for your good according to his purpose. Just as it says in Romans 8, 28, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. He said all things. He didn't say some. All things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Only for those who believe in Jesus. If you don't, ooh, I pray you do. For the kingdom that you are now part of makes you more than a conqueror through faith in Christ. Because Christ was more than a conqueror over this world. See, a conqueror only conquers, and then he moves on. He's like, that's it, I'm out. But more than a conqueror uses whatever rebellion that comes against him for his benefit. It only is used in a way that benefits his purpose. Whatever rebellion. And through faith in Christ, then, because it's true of him, it's true of us. For we are now in his kingdom by faith. Romans 8.37 says, Knowing all these things, we are much more than conquerors through him who loved us. See, by being a citizen, we get all the blessings and all the privileges of the kingdom of God solely by what Christ did for us. Not on you. The burden's not on you. It was all upon Jesus, and he did it. And what makes this even more beautiful, you have all these privileges right now, all upon you. And which is it's so mind-blowing. Because I'm not, I'm not the best of persons. Nor you. That unlike the worldly kingdom in which we live in right now, which we walk around as foreigners and strangers to it because we are now citizens of heaven, the heavenly kingdom, there's no second-class citizens. There's no second-class citizens in heaven above and amongst us. Unlike the world. See, there's no upper class, lower class citizenship. We are fellow citizens with the saints. It means that we are now part of one group, a set-apart group, through faith in Christ. And a quick refresher here on saints, what that means. It just means to be set apart as holy before the Lord. We are all now one people of the Lord here on earth with those in heaven. Now, granted, we still sin here on, uh, on earth, unlike those in heaven. You ain't going to be sinning up there. We do all the sinning down here. All the squeezing comes out, sin here. But because of Jesus, those sins have been forgiven and we are no longer condemned. But we are now treated as holy by God. Each of us is seen as his holy one people. So though the world's kingdoms create division, create isolation, create separation, create segregation, which stirs up more hatred, fear, and strife, and worry towards each other, which, by the way, this world feeds on. It lives in it. Wraps itself as a present and says, surprise, more fear. 
no matter what political system or way of life that's being promoted at the time. We have been removed from that now, and we are in the kingdom, the heavenly kingdom with no division, but one that is of harmony, love, and peace with each other, despite our differences, which the world loves to point out. So to bring it back, what this means then, the church, not the building, we learned that last year, the church, meaning the people who have faith in Christ, reflect that heavenly kingdom of unity, love, and peace when we gather locally. Our interaction and gathering in a local body is representative of the kingdom of heaven when we gather and treat each other without distinctions, even though we have differences even though we have lots of flaws, even though we have many sins, even though we have inconsistencies. When we treat each other as holy unto the Lord, as fellow citizens of heaven, we reveal to all that Christ has overcome all those things by the cross and has made us holy citizens of heaven through faith in Christ alone. This alone should change the way that we interact with each other and view each other because of what Christ did for us and what he has made us by faith in him. But here's the thing. Paul didn't just leave it there. He could have, but he didn't. He really wants us to truly understand how unified we are now in Christ by faith alone and what Christ has truly overcome and accomplished upon the cross. Paul goes on to say, not only are we fellow citizens of the heavenly kingdom, but he moves in some sense from this state level of interaction between each other and God, the state level, to a deep family interaction between all of us and God by saying we are also members of the household of God. And this brings us to our second and last point. We are a heavenly family. So not only do we then have this special relationship with God and and others, each other through this heavenly citizenship with God's kingdom, but we also have a a deeper special relationship with God and each other. We are now his heavenly family. Now, I know some of you are like, well, how do you get that from that text? Are you sure? And like, oh, yes, I am very sure. For the word household there in the Greek means member of the family. So Paul's not being poetic here. Paul's being very specific here to help us and them to realize just what we have been brought into by faith in Christ. You have been brought into a family that will never go away. And not just any family, but God's family. You have an intimate relationship with the God of the universe as his child and he your father. Jesus purchased and obtained your adoption to be in the family of God through faith in him. And that And that should just stop all of us in our tracks because, I mean, you know your sins. You know the evil you have done. You know how you have doubted God and not been faithful to him. Hence, that's why you sin. But God wanted to be your loving father despite it. And I just want for a moment to help us kind of see how astonishing that is so we don't just pass it by and this amazing truth that God wants to be our father. I I want us to dwell on this. First, imagine that you are before a judge because of some heinous crime you have committed, and you're proud of it. Like, I did it. They deserved it. I don't care. 
And you know you'll be punished for it, but you don't care. You're standing there. But God the judge, or this judge, rather than having you receive the punishment for your vile crime, which you're so proud of, you know, tattoo it on you. The judge says that he and his son love you so much that his son will take the punishment for you. And, and he wants to adopt you and be your new father and bring you into his loving family so you can experience his love, his grace, and the love of the family that's his. And then you can learn of his grace and his love and his ways and, have, and learn love, peace, and forgiveness. That sounds awkward and strange, doesn't it? And I think if we saw that live, we would say, like, what? But guess what? That's what happened with you. That's what happened with you when you accepted Jesus. You were brought in by his love as a father towards you to experiencing him more and more and experience the love of his family in this world. Experience the love of his family in this world and the next. To be molded by him and molded by this family. See, when our, when our relationship changed with God through faith in his son, which is absolutely incredible, mind-blowing. I mean, that's, that's what we talk about. There, there was a, a second thing, a con, uh, uh, an outcome, right? It also changed our relationship with his people. We are now part of this universal family, this universal church that is expressed here locally. As we gather together under his word, we are all connected deeply and intimately through faith in Christ by the love that God has for us all. We are, a, a, we are the family of God. So think of it this way. When we come together as a church and gather, we're not just attending church like it's a movie. But we're going to a family event together, you could say. We are going to church to celebrate what God our Father has done through His Son our brother, as one big family. We are gathering as his beloved children to speak of all the wonders our Father has done in our life and in each other's. We are gathered to uplift one another, to keep trusting in our Father and to remind us of his love for us by pointing out what his Son, our brother, has done for us. I mean... If we get all the blessings of the, kingdoms, of the kingdom as citizens, how much more blessings are we going to get as his children? We need to be reminded of that. I mean, Jesus even spoke of that in Matthew 7, 11. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give you good things, give good things to those who ask of him? So, you want to know what all this means then for you? You being, an, you being a citizen of heaven and, a fam, and have a heavenly family member, it means that you, your ordinary way of life is not seen as ordinary before God. 
That your day-to-day business as you go filling up gas, dealing with screaming children, sitting at home, watching TV with an aching back or knee, you're no longer seen as an ordinary person who does such things. You are a citizen of heaven passing through this land. You are his special love child in this world who is part of his larger family, which we get to experience every Sunday. So there's a special calling upon you, a special blessing upon you in all that you do so you can know him more every day and help others do the same. That even though your body may be breaking down and your life situation may be looking worse day to day, realize that it's only working for your good in him. For he is now guiding your life and not the world. For his grace is upon you even in the most mundane things in your life. And you get to be reminded of His grace when we gather together. For you have the greatest gift and greatest privilege you could ever have. And that is the love and favor of God upon you. You are now a part of His family. The Christian life is not about these mountaintop experiences or doing amazing wonders and eating just the dew in the middle of a jungle. The Christian life is simply about glorifying God through trusting Him in all things no matter what they are. And to say his grace is enough for me. And that trusting in the Lord and glorifying him in all things and saying his his sufficiency of grace is enough from this text is brightly exposed and vividly seen when we come together in fellowship with one another and love each other and as a family regardless of our differences. When we take that message to the world and saying, come. Come know the Savior. When we come together as a church to sing and praise and pray and encourage and uphold one another, suffering with each other, rejoicing with each other, no matter what differences there are, like our different views of politics, our different views of medical practices, our different habits, our different dress, our different ages, our different maturity levels, our different looks, our different languages, etc., 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 when we come together to worship Jesus and help others do the same, this reflects what we are now in Christ. And we are one people. We, follow me here, we reflect that Christ is the Savior of all mankind and He is our only hope and the world's only hope. When we come together, not just a me and Jesus thing, it's a Jesus and we thing. And that's what the world doesn't want for us. They want us to be isolated from each other. They want us to be divided from one another and not to be a loving family of God that reveals its holy citizenship of heaven. Understand that. With everything that comes into your brain, however you're hearing it, understand the world wants you to be divided. And wants to see that division here. But praise be to God that Christ has overcome the world. Amen? Amen. And he has overcome the boundaries between us all. Amen? Amen? For he won't let us be divided through our faith in him. And in fact, he'll do the very opposite. The more we look to him by faith, he will bring us together even closer than we thought we could be. Some of you are sitting closer than you thought you could. Because guess what? 
We are closer to each other than we realize by faith in Christ already. And he's just revealing it more and more. For we are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. If you'd like to come up and pray with a deacon, the deacons will be here. You want to pray where you are, pray where you are. Just cry out to Jesus. Heavenly Father, we're just so grateful that we can come together and worship you as a one people. God, it's so encouraging to, to see us gathering together with all our differences. And we're coming together as one. God, that's encouraging. And then we're going to fellowship and eat as one. God, it's just so encouraging to see that because it reveals that your hand is, 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 is never stopping its work amongst us. It reveals the power of the gospel, what Christ has accomplished upon the cross. One people of God. And it also reveals that your, your gospel invitation is open to all, saying, come, all you weak and weary, I will give you rest. For my burden is easy. God, I am just so grateful for that. God, if someone doesn't know you today, that's struggling, that's thinking that they feel not part of something, they they don't know you, Lord, I pray they come to know you today and then we as a church will say, welcome, welcome. And God, I pray if there's people right now that are feeling divided amongst their brethren, amongst the brothers and sisters here, Lord, I pray that you open their heart to realize, no, there's no division. There may be differences, but that's okay. We're one in Jesus. God, I pray if people are harboring something against someone because of some past or because of some view or something they said or did, I pray they go to each other and just love on each other and say, I'm so glad we're brothers and sisters in Christ. For it's going to be a joy hanging out with you for eternity. And God, I pray right now that maybe people in their home are feeling divided against each other because of finances or certain views or politics or school or whatever may be, Lord, whatever is causing that division that is amongst their home, Lord, I pray that they can see that they are unified in Christ. And if, they are, and if, they, if there's someone doesn't know Christ, if they say there is an answer and his name's Jesus, we can be unified. And that's what they point to. Thank you, Jesus, for the glory of the gospel. For that's all we have and that's all we need. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm-hmm.